Hey Luna. Hi. Hey. Um is there anything new? I'm a- okay. I'm asking you this because I have I want to talk about my studio, but <laughs> what's new with you? <laughs> Nothing. Not, <laughs> Nothing. Not a not a whole lot. How about you though? Is there anything oh. going on with you? Oh, weird dude ask. Yeah, I'm actually in a new studio. <laughs> I see it's, that. Yeah, it's a six foot by nine foot box made by a guy named George. I, I think I mentioned him. Yeah. And uh, when I went in the box, I was like, "Holy cow, this is really small, really small." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I can I can fall forward from one side wall to the other and totally hit my head. Um, but I decided to do a couple things since you asked. <laughs> you, you look like you're in a padded room right now. I, I'm going to tell you how that came about. So um, I, was, I went to the Home Depot and I was looking – because this is a wood box. So I'm, when you're in a wood box, it sounds like you're in a casket. That is not good for recording. Mm. Um, so I went to Home Depot Actually, I lie. I went to Lowe's, but I'm sure you know what Home Depot is and you don't know what Lowe's is. So I know what they both are. We're okay, not fine. that disconnected from right. reality out here in Canada. Okay. All right, fine. I went to Lowe's and uh, I was looking for something to insulate the inside of the box with so I get some deadening, you know, so to deaden the echo. And I have a bunch of foam insulation, like it's sound editing stuff, but I'm not a rich person. So I have enough of that for one wall and I don't have enough for the rest. So I'm looking – and I see all this stuff, you know, that like makes you scritchy and scratchy, like the fire glass and all that, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm dreading having to buy that because I, I hate working with that. I hate it. Even if I'm not itchy from it, I think I'm itchy and it yep. goes on for days and I just uh, – mentally, it's a mess for me. Anyway. You should wear gloves. Uh, don't oh. do it naked. Oh. I, well, I get so hot. <laughs> You know, there's nothing yeah. – like, and on the construction site, they used to call me old glass crotch. <laughs> yeah. Because I would straddle the, the beams that were insulated and it was itchy. Oh. <clears throat> anyway. Like yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm looking at it in the aisle with all the insulation and I, my eyes get to this one kind and it's blue. And it's it's like – it's like – um. It's like it's just messy, all shredded, but it's big sheets, and it, it's like packed in one of those like, you know, if you buy one of those new mattresses off the internet or somewhere, they send it to you in a box, and it's like as big, mm-hmm. you know, you could barely get a child in that box. You open it, and suddenly this giant mattress expands, and all that. Right. It was like that. It was like in this shrink wrap, and I read the label, and it said shredded denim. Oh. <laughs> I was like, no way. It's like it has to be 
one of these packages has to be like 500 sets of jeans. It's amazing. Anyway, so I bought two packs of this stuff and I insulated the whole inside of my studio with shredded denim. And I found like little tags, like stuff that didn't get shredded. Like I found like a little tag that said like Inspector 15C and like a a size tag and stuff. Oh man, it's amazing. Like I just think about the number of butts that are on my wall. So many. Holy cow. Oh my gosh. So many. I imagine there's like flesh and stuff in them too. They just probably. Like chopped up a bunch of workers. Yeah. yeah a bunch probably. of guys who died in a mining accident. Like, there's a lot of denim in here. There's we should sell this as insulation. <laughs> <laughs> they pull the copper out of the mine and the denim and they, you know, they, they split the profits. So there's a lot of denim I, that's expensive, by the way. You know, the red tag, uh, Levi's. And all. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Yeah, like like some guys will go to like old mines and things, and they'll find the the jeans that they've taken off because they got too dirty or whatever, and they'll still be kind of intact, and and they'll use them as wall pieces. They'll sell them sell them as art, and people will buy that. Really, stuff. that's crazy. It can yeah, it can get very valuable. Um, so I bought the shredded denim and a and a industrial stapler, hand stapler though, not like a pneumatic one or anything like that. And I went to town just stapling the daylights out of this denim. It's like all over, right? And it's, I was like, that is so cool. And I was going to leave it like that because it's kind of a conversation piece. But my wife was like, it looks terrible. You need to cover this. You need to. But I'm like, as soon as I cover it, then I lose all the echoey goodness of this shredded denim because it's so it's, – it's like two and a half inches thick. Anyway, uh, from my video days, I found a backdrop – uh, white backdrop called a psych that drops down and then it's one of those ones that drops down and then curves and then goes under the feet of the person so that it, there's yeah. like there's no corner behind them you know it's just smooth anyway i started at one corner and i stapled this this backdrop up one wall over the ceiling down the other it fit perfectly like i think i had to cut off like three inches but one backdrop covered the whole studio and then I had to staple it shut. Yes, as as you can see, as I stapled yeah. it, it did the pillowy effect. And so <laughs> I'm literally in a padded room. It's really yeah. neat. It looks like when the first time I started talking to you when you're in there, I was, I was like, are you in bed? Because it looks like you're <laughs> kind of laying down, standing up. Right? And then I'm like, are you like in a bed? Like, are you? Did you? Did you get shrunk and you're in a mattress? That's what you look like. Yeah. Are you in a sort of perfect sleeper? What happened? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then on top of that, I thought I'd do the old TikTok thing, and I changed out all the lights in here so they all change colors the whole time I'm in here, and it's super cool. <laughs> so now I can yeah. do TikTok videos for kids. <laughs> Nice. There is that, a train coming that, through my town. Is that train uh, coming through your studio? I can hear <laughs> that one. Wow. That's impressive. It's, it, it warmed up out here, and I guess it seems like the noise is traveling more with the with the warmer air somehow. It's weird. But yeah. I'm a little worried that thing's going to come blasting through the studio in a minute. That was intense. I hear it fading yeah. now, so that's it's dramatic and, and good to hear. Mm. Also, if you hear anything happening here... Uh, my wife is still moving stuff out in the garage where my six by nine prison cell is located. So yeah. they're trying to find you. <laughs> How long yeah. have you been in there? <laughs> <laughs> 
stuck in a mattress. Well, she came in earlier and she's like, you don't have any ventilation in here. And I was like, no, I probably should get a ventilation, you know, like a, put a vent in there or something. She's like, because it smells like just sweaty man. I'm like, oh. So, so anyone that's listening, that's how hard I work on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sweaty yeah, man. I, we had to take a break for you, to, for you to get all set up and now we're here and we'll yes. come back hot and heavy. Hot and heavy. Train would go away. This I gotta I gotta say this is I, have you listened to this nine one one call yet? Uh, no, I'm coming in, coming in blind. Blind. Okay, it's oh, man. This one, this one. At first, I gotta be honest. I, I I heard this call and I was like, I don't know if there's enough meat on the bone on this one. It's just, and I think after you hear it, you'll be surprised when we get to the end that I thought that, but. But this one, it made. I'm pretty conflicted about this one, to be honest. It's it's a it's kind of different. So, looking forward to it. Um, hey, have you ever seen uh, Breaking Bad? Yeah. Okay. There was a whole like couple episodes where he was in uh, in a fugue state. Do you remember that? Who was in a fugue state? Uh, when Heisenberg. It was like oh, before yeah. he was. I want to say it was before he was. Really deep in being the drug drug kingpin that he became, but he just ended up disappearing and walking off, and like you know, and he claimed he was in a fugue state. I don't think I understand what a fugue state is. Okay, well, good good thing because I don't know if you're reading the script, but that was my next question: Is (laughs) do do you know what a fugue state is? The answer is no. Okay. Well, apparently, like all things, it's evolved a little bit. So it's it's more more appropriate now to call it a dissociative fugue. But a lot of people know it as a fugue state. Um, there's some interesting things about fugue state or dissociative fugue. So I'll, I'll share a couple of things. So it's a subset of amnesia. Um, and it's often brought on by some type of trauma, which may or may not include like physical trauma, like a bonk on the head or something, you know, crazy like that. Doesn't have to be that, you know. There's, this is where it kind of veers away from the Hollywood amnesia, you know. Oh, we just gotta wait until he gets his memory back, and then he'll know he's married to me, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which, so, which, by the way, <laughs> I feel always ends in the guy was lying, like the guy yeah. was making it up to get away with something. Right. Almost every time. And I don't know how much of your personality goes with you when uh, you know, c- uh, accompanies you into a fugue state or amnesia. But I'm pretty sure that I would be in a lot of trouble coming out of amnesia. Because if there was a woman who wasn't my wife and she was like, we're married. And I'm like, really? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. I would come out of that amnesia in so much trouble because... My my real family would have been like, how how what kind of where is your set of morals? What's wrong with you? And I'm like, I she told me I was married to her. <laughs> <laughs> I got uh, the closest that I can relate to this in any way. The only time in my life where I was completely out of it and mm. and later on heard things I did that I didn't remember doing. I got dosed with the date rape drug <laughs> uh, by one of my friends as a joke. Right, like he thought it was funny to dose my drink with the date rape drug, and he dosed me too too heavily too. He told me later, and um, I was walking around this party, 
And then I was just smacking people. I was just smacking them upside the head, walking past them. Smacked. There was like a, three people sitting there, and I smacked them all in a row. And one of them was a girl. And like they, they all were like f- wrestling me down to the ground, and I had to be pulled out of the place. And I didn't remember anything. I was walking around the neighborhood with one of my friends for like a long time. He was trying to walk it off, drinking water, all this stuff, because he knew what had happened to me. And finally, I came back. But I didn't remember once smacking anybody. I had to apologize to like 15 people. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. So as as part of a fugue state, what's really interesting is it is not easy to spot um, some someone dis, ex, someone experiencing dissociative fugue disorder doesn't just walk around like a zombie. In fact, oftentimes they seem to be fully functioning. And they might not even express any signs of confusion regarding their surroundings or like being displaced at all. Uh, in a lot of cases, it's also like they aren't worried about the fact that they they are not who or where they think they are. They show zero signs of alarm. And in rare oh. cases, so yeah, so it's 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 really wild. Um, uh, so fugue states can last minutes or hours. Days, weeks, months, years. It depends. And the rare cases are days and weeks and years, uh, more months and years. But uh, it's, it's. It reminds it's, me of, um, you know, the movie Office Space? Yeah. You know, the, char- the main character, the guy, he gets uh, hypnotized to the. And, and the guy's like, you know, you're not going to be worried about anything. And yeah. and then he, he has a heart attack. The, <laughs> the hypnotist has a heart attack and he's stuck there. <laughs> not worried about anything. <laughs> anything. for like. I always wondered after watching that movie, I'm like, could that happen? Like, could you get hypnotized to just kind of be like really laid back and then this dreamy, like, you know, everything's cool mentality? For, I wonder how long that would last. That's a good question. Like in that state, I, you know, okay, so to answer that. Um, fugue state does something similar where I would I would wager, and I'll have to Google it later, or maybe people can tell us in the comments or give us a one star review and tell us how poorly researched the show is. Um, but with a fugue state, these people will stay in that state uh, until the brain decides to start giving you back memories of your actual life um, can't be medicated. You can't use psychotherapy to, to accelerate the process or hasten the process of somebody coming out of a fugue state. Um, it's, it's, it's just the brain waiting for the brain to do what the brain's going to do. What's really amazing is the reason that they call it a fugue state and why it's different than just amnesia is when someone enters a fugue state, they almost always travel. They 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 relocate, uh, and they don't know why, but they'll travel, um, and they'll end up in another place. And amazingly, they'll create false identities on the fly. They collect information about their environment, um, and they'll. Some of these people end up living like completely separate lives from the previous one. Uh, without skipping a beat. Like, they show wow. no panic. They just start collecting information. The brain, I guess, starts collecting information about their surroundings, and they just they just become somebody else. I You're reminding me of a story here where there was this um, older man. He, was, he had Alzheimer's, I believe, 
and he was like a plumber in his past in, in his in his life before he retired. But now he's like seventy eight years old, and he just kind of went away from the nursing home one day, got on a bus, went some to some other neighborhood. And he was claiming to be who he was still, but that he was a plumber and he was getting these plumbing jobs and he was working as he would when he was in his 30s. But he's like almost in his 80s. And I'm like, what is up with this guy wanting to work these hardcore jobs? And they finally found him uh, based on that because they put out enough flyers and stuff. And they're like, yeah, we got this old plumber who's acting like, yeah. you know, Kennedy's still in office. It's, yeah, he's right here. Yeah. And it, it, what's crazy is that real, the false reality. It'll, it's sustained until the brain just starts recalling memories from your past. And then there's like this weird choke point as they start coming out of that state that the individual is aware that something is amiss, and um, and they'll they'll eventually regain enough memory or awareness of their past that they'll end up going back home, or they'll they'll you know try to correct course um but in some of these cases they've developed such an identity in another place that it can be very hard i don't know if you've ever been around somebody with alzheimer's but oh yeah they they can oftentimes uh they're very embarrassed about what they forgot uh and they can become defensive about it um and similar with that you know if 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 the brain has created a new identity and you start coming out of it you, you can become defensive of your own brain and be like, hang yeah. on, you know, what am I supposed to do now? You know, and you're yeah. kind of caught between these two worlds. It's very weird, very weird. My my experience, I worked in a home with uh, some people who had Alzheimer's and the one guy was so mean and they said that he wasn't like that when he first came. And as he degenerated, he became like this really mean, abusive kind of kind of got completely different from from how he had initially seemed and then his family was like oh no no this guy was very abusive towards us when we were younger and all that this is his true personality coming out he learned over time to as he got older people mellow out and he did that mellow out process and he became like a nicer guy maybe regretting the way he behaved in his past but then when the alzheimer's kicked in he reverted to maybe what would be his true self, like this mean kind of guy. And they're like, no, we recognize this guy still. Huh. It's just that he's reverted back to the way that he was in maybe his 40s. It was, really? he, was, he was a real piece of work. He would always take him for walks and he'd be like, there she is. There she is. And he'd start walking up to like a woman. I'm like, hold on, Al. Like grab him by the scruff of the neck. Like what are you going to do to her? <laughs> it's weird. You know, You think we think we're in control. We think we are are who we are until our brain decides to do something just a little bit weird, you know, and suddenly we realize reality is pretty fragile. I, I'm a firm believer that, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in, I'm not of the belief that, uh, you know, we're in the matrix or anything like that. Um, the walls around me are really around me and everything, but, but the, the way that we perceive the world, the way I would put it is, our understanding and perception is fragile. Uh, doesn't mean it's not real, but that our understanding and perception is fragile and that it is accentuated the more we capitalize on our brain's ability, uh, unlock those abilities, you know, so. Yeah. I, I also think that a lot of us have um, genetics and instincts and stuff that we haven't tapped into, like stuff maybe that our grandfather was into or our great-grandfather or great-great-grandfather. Yeah that can leak into us when we open ourselves up in certain ways, like with alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I'm not, I'm not a mean drunk by any means, but I've met people who, as soon as they start drinking, they turn into like this monster. 
and it's almost like it 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 opens them up enough. They're so closed down, mm-hmm. but then the alcohol opens them up enough for all that stuff to appear. And they they apologize and all this afterwards, but it's like they and they'll blame it on the alcohol. But my belief is like, no, that was it, it the drugs didn't put something into you. They allowed something to come out of out. you. Yes. And you need to figure out what that is because that's a real part of your personality. It's a real personality flaw that you're not dealing with when you're sober and, and you're you're locked locked down in yourself. you got to figure that out. And it yes. only comes out when you start drinking. Right? Exactly. And I think that's a uh, – we you know, in, in that case, it's culturally appropriate to kind of wag the finger at alcohol and say, oh, it's doing these things. But then it's also culturally appropriate to look at like a psychedelic and say, like you've said before, do do a psychedelic, you'll meet God, yeah. and and I I believe that that these these substances that are around us, whether they're natural or manufactured, they have given us a window into that the brain can do some amazing things. Whether the thing that we're taking is socially checkmarked as legal or illegal or safe or not safe or whatever, that uh, what it's showing us is that the brain has these these corridors that we can't unlock currently without chemical assistance. And so for me, being not a drug user or alcoholic consumer or anything like that, my journey is I... I hope to be able to do that kind of thing. I want to unlock the brain. I want to see that happen. Mine, I'm taking, I'm trying to take a spiritual approach to that, which I don't know where I'm headed with it, but I, I believe, I believe that God can, God made me so he can, as he sees fit, you know, unlock those things as he sees appropriate. And, but I'm amazed at the, I look at someone who has taken psychedelics, like the way you talk about it. And I say, Mm -hmm. see, see that shows you right there. That's what the brain can do. It can make you that aware. That's amazing. Whether we're jumpstarting it with drugs or, you know, trying to find it in another way. I, the brain's a crazy thing. It is a crazy thing. And I know we need to get onto this, this case and all that, but another example is like extreme trauma. I've always Mm -hmm. been fascinated by people who have been, Maybe kidnapped, put in a box, and raped multiple times every day, and they go into like they they go into a room in their own mind, and they yeah. black out of the whole thing, the whole experience of what's happened to them. Anytime I've done a case on dark topic where the where the victim can't remember what's happened because it was so traumatic that they've actually their brain protected them and let them go to this room where it wasn't even happening to them consciously. Right, that's fascinating too. Man. Yes, it's yeah. So the way that we're protected, yeah, I, you know, it, it's it's uh very, very interesting. Okay, so well, speaking of in- extreme trauma, that's a little bit of a of a clue as to how I feel about this this case. It's, uh, I'll get right into it. So on February thirteenth of um, twenty sixteen, a guy named Ezra Simon Daniels. His last name's hyphenated Simon Daniels. He's probably, I'm guessing, famous. And then when he got married to he never really got married, but he was famous. But when he chose to change his name, he kept his last. I don't really know what happened, but he's hyphenated. So gotcha. I'm sure he's famous in one one sphere or another. Anyway, uh-huh. so he calls 911 from a Walmart parking lot uh, in New Jersey around, around 6 a.m. in the morning. He calls. He was covered in blood, missing his shoes and driving an Audi that did not belong to him. Other than that, he said he had no idea what was going on or how he even really got there. So, okay. So, let's drop the cop. 
Sorry. <clears throat> I, ra- I rap here. I rhyme here. You ready for this? It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I've practiced it several times. I got to try to get the rhythm. Here we go. <clears throat> so, let's drop the top on this call to the cops and pop a squat on the fact that this cat had cracked during a previous attack, which caused this buddy to be all bloody, shoeless and aimless, one day before Sunday. And hey... Might I add that this is extra super sad, and I guess that I should state that this call that took place fell on a date which our hearts can't erase, though for some it's dismay. It was Valentine's Day Eve. Okay. (laughs) I got it. You look pretty proud of yourself. It took me. It took me a second to to write that. You were like a whole crowd uh, celebrating in your mind all around you. I can see it. You're just like the Our women were taking their shirts off, <laughs> fist bumps all around. I was, was gonna give like, myself like, a couple. Yeah, I was trying to give myself a couple beats before, like, uh, okay, yeah, everybody, put your hands up, uh, okay, here we go, and then, and then everybody would like think Valentine's Day was the last word, and then I say. Eve. <laughs> Mic drop. Mic drop. Okay. Right. Well, okay, last part of the rhyme. Are you ready to hit play? Yes, I'm ready. All right. Here we go. What's going on? Okay. Now, one emergency, 122. Ready to Somerset County with a transfer. I have a caller on the line, Ezra. He's in an Audi in the parking lot of Walmart. He doesn't remember where, how he got there, but he woke up in the vehicle, and he says he's covered in blood. Okay, what Walmart? I'm not wearing any shoes. Okay, what Walmart are you at? Uh, the one by the Polar Cup. Okay. Do you don't remember how you got there? I have no idea, sir. He said he was leaving from his grandmother's house at 115 Reddington Road. That's what he remembers last. Well, I don't remember it. I just assume that's where I came from. Okay, what is your name? My name is Ezra. How do you spell that? E-Z-R-A. What's your last name? Simon, S-I-M-O-N, with a hyphen and Daniel. Okay, and your phone number is off your feet, where is it? This is the steel one on. Yes. Yeah. The last thing I remember, I, was, I, I had pizza, and I was watching television, and I went to bed. Okay, and you're bleeding from where? I'm not bleeding, I don't think, from anywhere I checked. But there's blood all over. All over what? Me, my, my legs, my feet, and my hands. Hey, can you hold on one second for me? I'm going to send someone out to you. Hold on one second. Uh, I don't have my identification with me. It must be at home. Okay, hold on. I don't know. Hold on one second. And, and, what was your name again, sir? I'm operator 122. I'm going to send someone out. Just stay on the phone. Thank you. Hold on. Your last memory? I was having pizza 
And he's aware. In the living room of my house. The last memory was having pizza at his house and then went to bed. What kind of car are you in? An Audi. What kind of Audi? Um. Is it your car? No, this is my grandfather's car. The uh, A something. Um, where do your grandparents live? They live at 115 Road. 115? Yeah, that, that's right. And what is your address? I live, I live there. Okay. Okay, what's your date of birth? August 15th, 1995. Oh, 8 15, 95. Okay, I understand the phone if someone gets there. Um, do you see anything else in the car? I mean, is there anything? There's nothing. There's, there's a pouch kind of thing on the back seat with some tissues and the down the cup holder kind of thing that will come down from the back seat is out and the trunk is exposed. So what's in the trunk? Um, oh, I can't see the lights are not on, but I. I don't know. I can't. I don't know what's in the trunk. I have to check if you'd like. Um, well, no. I mean, I just stay in the car. It's it's okay. really cold. And is the car running or no? Yeah, the car's on still. Okay. So, when someone was having pizza, you don't remember... You don't remember anything at all? The only thing I remember before that, I was playing guitar for a little bit and practicing scales. Okay. Hold on one second. I'm going to try to find your driver's license. Hold on. Okay. I have your license. You've got 115 Reddington Road in Branchburg. that would have made you forget something? Have you been sick or? I, the only thing I would have taken was a melatonin supplement the night before last. Okay. But besides, um, besides your grandparents being there, where, was there a friend over? Was there? No, I haven't seen anyone for a while. Okay. What, um, what's your grandparents' phone number? Okay, so we'll pause it for a second here. Yeah. So, okay, so what are your first impressions here? I, it's, I don't believe the guy who's calling in. Um, I found a few things that he said, like, when he, when he double-checked, like, he was like, so what's your name again? Like, really playing into, like, I, I'm not remembering things. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm a little dubious to like his story and it sounds like the operator is as well. I was more focused on the operator there. How, 
um, suspicious the operator seemed. It was almost like an investigator breaking somebody down in an interrogation, which I've never heard an operator do before. And it, it was interesting. I thought he was doing a good job of that. It was like he was collecting as much information as he could for later on to catch him, maybe possibly on something. It's like he senses that there's something uh, more more to this. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I was I, I got notorious foreshadowing. Like foreshadowing. Well, what's when you when you have a feeling that something's not right with the situation? There's something mm-hmm. more. Um, oh God, I'm an idiot. But anyways, it, it seems like you know he's he's very suspicious that uh, something bad might might have happened here when it could just be a guy, you know, just a little bit confused. It seems yeah. like there's something um, something amiss. I'll, I'll get the word. Yeah, yeah. So I I felt the same way because. We never, if you just take it at face value and you you know anything about what's happened, and the only way I know about what's happened is because all the headlines that led me to this case, right? Right. With that as a preconceived notion, they start listening to this and I start immediately just down the doubtful road. Like, okay, all right, how is he setting this up? Okay, but here's a couple things. Drop yourself, wake up in a car, okay? Maybe you recognize the car. You recognize the car. Foreboding, but, I'm sorry. Foreboding. Foreboding. Or, or, omin- yes. or ominous. Yeah. Yes, yes, that there's something going on. Yes, and you're sorry, right, because sorry, at this point, the the the, uh, the dispatcher has no idea. He's just collecting information, but you're right. He's, he's aware of something because the guy's covered in blood. Okay. Oh, um, right. I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah. God, I'm an idiot. It's All been right. a while, man. We we've had too long of a break. <laughs> We're cracking the rust off of the bolts on this one. Um, okay, so I tried to put myself in his shoes like if I were to wake up in a car and I'm covered in blood and I recognize the car, um think about some of the things that he said. For example, he one, he called 911, which there's 10 other things he could have done if he if he knew he was guilty or fully aware of something that he had done, right? So, right. one, not everybody calls 911 after they've done something like that. The dude's on the run. He could have been in another state, you know, before anybody knew knew anything. Um, but he's sitting in park. He calls 911 and then um, he's missing clothing. Uh, he recognizes the blood. He's like, I'm covered in blood, but I've checked myself and I don't have any wounds, which is something that I would like to believe that I would say assessing the situation like I'm not hurt. I don't need medical because I've checked. I don't have any wounds, but I am covered in blood. I don't know. And then the other thing, this is the other thing that kind of got me was uh, – you hear a lot about uh, investigators that do the interrogations and someone that's guilty has a lot to say and they can almost fill every moment of their day because they've already rehearsed the story. So they're like, and I bought a popsicle and it was black and I was there and it was 74 degrees outside. And I remember saying hi to the mailman. You know, they've got right. they've got every moment. But the, what was interesting, the part that caught me at least so far was when he's like – um, there's a he's he's like there's a cup holder thing that's open in the back, which is odd because you know why why observe that okay the cup holder right. thing's open in the back and the trunk is open, and the guy's like what's in the trunk he's like 
I don't know. And and if you th- in a way, I'm like, oh, that is that's that's interesting because he's sitting in a parking lot. Wakes up, he's like, what the heck? Blood all over him. He's not moving. Like he hasn't gotten out of the car or anything. He's like, I just need to, I need help figuring out what's going on. Yeah, I think uh, I'll disagree with you. And we're, you know more about this call than I do. I at this point in the call, him saying all those things doesn't lead me to feel like he he's being truthful. It plays into so his alibi mm. is that he can't remember right. so to act confused about everything around you plays into that alibi uh-huh. so if that's what your your stance you're taking it's like i don't know what the hell's going on everything he looks at he acts confused by so yeah it works it works to what he's saying and and if you're lying about that which i i feel like he is you don't i can tell um He's acting just like, just exactly like a guy would act who's pretending to not remember uh, murdering somebody. As a, what I'm assuming has happened here, probably his grandmother. What, what I, the way I would put where where I'm at with it is, I think there is a fine line between did this guy do something and did this guy know what he did and i don't give sure. a lot of people a pass into you had no idea what i don't like the i blacked out excuse it's used too much and honestly we've talked about this before like when somebody when when people overuse an excuse like plead not guilty even though they're guilty it hurts the people that are guilty are are not guilty you know it hurts those cases because everybody uses it and I, I blacked out is a very common thing for people to use. So I'm instantly dubious of that. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm trying to ride this line between did he do something? Probably the answer is yes. But did he know that he did it? And I don't know something about this. I'm, I'm putting my, I'm putting him in that camp of uh, I'm going to give him. Okay. Give him a little well, that's bit. interesting that you're there. I'll need to hear more of the call because I, I'm going based off of. Uh, what I've studied in the, or not studied, but the cases I've covered and things like right. that in the past. In, in my experience, they're always lying. So yep. I'd be interested to hear more of it and, and see if it, it goes the other way for me. Yep. Okay. Uh, ready for me to hit play again? Yeah. Okay. That was your cue. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right then. Here we. Here we go. Uh, the house under the cell. The uh, house. Nine oh eight. Yep. Five two six. Eight two seven eight. Eight three seven eight. Eight two. Okay. Eight two seven eight. And you're. You woke up in the car. Correct. That's correct. You woke up in the car. Yeah. And it was running. Is, there, is it damaged anywhere? I haven't gotten out the check. Can you tell, based on being in the car, do you see there, is there any damage anywhere? No. Hold on. They weren't. Yeah, they weren't. Okay, I mean, is, uh... The car is running. Are there any like indicator lights that show that there might be a problem or airbags go off? Nothing. No. No. Okay. When you when you look at yourself, like your face and stuff, do you see anything 
like broken or? No, it was blood You don't have shoes on. I don't have any shoes. And there's blood on your feet? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stay on the phone. Someone's coming out to you. Just Thank you. hold on one second. I got the seat heaters on, but I thought it's like shake. Okay, was the heat on the car? 24. Uh, it's on 71, and the heat, the seat heater is on. And the car is running. Yeah. Okay, well, just turn the heat, just turn the heat up. Thank you. On the car. Uh, I'm going to be here. Just hold, hold on one second. Okay, you still cold? No, I'm much warmer now. Thank you. Okay. Do you see? Twenty-two thirteen to twenty-three. Okay. Do you see a police car? Description of the vehicle. Hold on one second. Yeah, I do. You do see a police car? I do see it. Yeah. Okay, I'll stay on the phone until he comes to your car. Thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. You see two cars? Yeah, I do see two cars. Okay, well, okay, very good. I'm going to let you go. Uh, okay, bye. Okay. Okay. Now, what What? Uh, what do you think? What? Where, where are you at? With it? I'm really stuck on just the the operator. It was fascinating to me. He sounded like, like a cop. Mm. He didn't sound like any dispatcher I've ever heard before. He sounded just like a cop to me. I think in this case, I think he was. I, I think what had happened is the 911 dispatch operator had had redirected him to police dispatch uh, uh, because a couple things that that make me think that you heard a couple, um, you heard the chatter in the background. In a couple yeah. cases, you could hear police officers with their codes. They they were talking talking you know through their codes. And he seemed to respond to a couple of those codes. And the other thing is, at one point, you hear the police chatter in the background say, door is open, uh, and then something else. And then from that point on, it seemed like the questions that he were, was asking him were m- mainly to just make sure he could keep him on the line. Uh, yeah. Because he knew there was another situation at play. Uh, that yeah. there wasn't just cops coming to him. He had given him an address and that they were probably heading there. So I think you're right. I, he was a cop, I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I bet because I've never heard a, dis, a dispatcher. It's like above their pay grade, it yeah. would seem, right, to start breaking <laughs> them down like that. Right. <laughs> he was yeah. doing such a good job. Like, this guy, you know, hire him. Yeah, yeah. No, I think he – I definitely think he was part of the police force. So yeah. – Okay, so just to to extend my reasoning a little bit here, um, I am really perplexed because every call we've listened to, there's always been what I would call pregnant pauses where the, 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 the perpetrator is the one on the phone and he's asked a question 
And there's enough of a pause you can tell if he's wondering if he can make a story here to redirect guilt from him. There were so many things that – not so many, but there were things that were asked of this guy where there was no pause uh, where he could have actually made a story to divert attention away from him. Like, was there anybody else at the house? He just said, no, there was nobody else at the house. Th- like, right. there was no, no thought to say, well, yeah, I had, a, I had a friend over and then I passed out. I'm not sure. You know, if if he was trying to dish dish the responsibility or divert attention away, there were a lot of opportunities. And I just keep going back to that thing. If you listen to his responses, he seems, net one, never to be withholding information providing information but providing just what he's observing not he doesn't like get flowery about his explanation I, and i don't know i don't know but i hear you no he does sound genuinely confused he does and and if that was a cop on the line i mean he he wasn't um falling into the traps that were being set, set yes. for him there or, or going along with the leads that, the, that, mm-hmm. that he was being pushed into he just kept on staying to but again the the skeptical part of me is like well if it's if the alibi is that I have I'm in a fugue state or I have amnesia then that is the way I would behave personally if I yeah. was going going that route. So, yep. I anyways. I wonder whether or not I could pull it off. I guess is in my head I, I have doubt. I, I think he's doing such an uh, an exceptional job of it that that pulling it off that well I would be very hard in my opinion. But I don't know. Not don't know. not not for me because you just keep on saying I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like we know enough, right? You say I don't know. If you don't know, you don't make stuff up, and you give just enough of an answer. You don't get overly eloquent with your responses, and those things come across as those those. If for anyone that's wanting the rule book on how to get away with a crime, here you are. Yeah. Do those things. Act simple. You know, don't over overemphasize. Um, they, they see right through it. Well, you see at the start when he said, so this is, again, why I'm dubious to it as well. At the start, there was a red flag for me when they said, so you say that you're at your grandmother's house. And he he corrected them being like, well, no, I assume that I was there because, you know, that's yeah. where I likely would have been. Like he's he's making sure that, that it's fitting his narrative of having forgot everything, right? He doesn't yeah. want to confirm that. Um but again, if if he actually is was in that fugue state, then that's what he would say. So I mean, he he is a very he's a good liar. He's or either, it's happened to him. Yes, he's either really a pro because I I agree with you. I think a a, a very well versed psychopath could do this. Um, oh, yeah. Why why would he lead unless he unless like like we've talked about before? You know, the psychopath wants get something out of. Uh, being that close to the crime, you know, being that close to being caught and everything. But the dude literally sat there to get caught, uh, you know. And so it puts me it puts me more in the camp of, okay, I, the brain's a weird thing. And, and I don't buy, you know, a lot of people that say they were in fugue states, it always seems like an excuse or, you know, that they're just trying to avoid. It's an avoidance, but I don't know, yeah. there's so much. So, okay, I'll tell you I'm, a little more about this guy. Sorry, one more thing. It's, it's yeah. keeping it simple, right? Like the kiss method that they talk uh-huh. about. If you yes. want to get away with something and you you have to keep it very simple and not fall into the traps of that cop that we assume he's being. Yes. Like he, he's keeping it very simple. I don't yeah. know. I see this. Like you said, I see that. So anyways, go ahead. Yeah. No, and to your point, they're trained. Cops are trained to ask leading questions. Uh, and oftentimes uh, the questions that they ask, they already have the answers to. You know, so yeah. They, yeah. they they know more than you know. Um, mm-hmm. 
But okay, so <clears throat> on the call, we'll just review a little bit. Um, Ezra explained that the last thing that he remembers was eating pizza and watching TV in the living room. And then he retired to his room. He explained a little later after the cops showed up that he retired to his room to practice scales on his guitar. Uh, uh, we've talked about this, but in that handoff at the beginning of the call, you can hear one dispatcher handing it off to another. And uh, if there's one thing that is like, oh, wow, that, you know, that's a, like you said, that's that, that clarification. He's like, well, I think that's where I was. I, I don't know. That's, I just assume that's where I was. Um, one more thing, uh, you know, and I feel like I'm pleading my case, but um, one more thing is he never puts his grandparents in the past tense. If you listen to what uh, he's, he's talking about, no, that, that's he's like, they pickup. live, not they lived or anything uh, like that, you know. Yeah, very uh, good. So, so very, very present tense for all that. Um, uh, he's, you know, stated that he checked his body, didn't find any source of bleeding, but there's blood everywhere. Um, yeah, so, so he's either a wizard at, at acting disoriented or he truly is. Um, well, what you just said right there pulled me to, to your, your way of thinking that he didn't speak in the past tense. That's a big one that they trip up on all, yeah. all the time, man. So yeah. Interesting. Is there more of this call? Um, no, that's that's the extent of the call. I and man, I got to be honest. I tried so hard to dig on a couple things that I'm sure everyone. I never want to fill in these. De- I never feel compelled to fill in these details. But because they were, I was bereft of these details. It bothered me that I couldn't answer the questions. But I don't know why he was living with his grandparents. He was a he was a minor at the time. Uh, so why is how he old, living- how old? How old is he? He uh, see who was born in ninety five. This took oh, place okay. in twenty sixteen. Gotcha. So I can't do the math off the top of my head. No, I got no, he it. He's twenty one years old. He was twenty one. So he's living with grandparents. I could not, for the life of me, find any detail on about his parents, about any dynamic there. I couldn't find anything. Can't find a thing on this kid. Um, it's, can you, it's can, do you know why he was covered in blood? At least, yes. <laughs> I'll tell you. <laughs> No, freaking me out there, man. No, I, was I don't. About to walk you, away. Are you ready for a happy ending? <laughs> and that's all we know. No. Um, so, here's one more, one more thing I forgot to say about dissociative fugue disorder is that it's commonly associated with crime, especially crimes of a very violent nature. Um, but that could be the case where the person in the fugue state was the victim of the crime or possibly the perpetrator. But our brains can be flipped into that mode to be triggered into a fugue state when we're put into an extremely violent situation, regardless of what side the person is on. Right. Um, do you know what else can cause a fugue state? No. Ads. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. We'll go to the awkward silence. So there's no ads. <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. We'll be right back after we Actually, pay yeah, the bills. You <laughs> might, might have some. Eh? I Do don't we have know. some this time? Uh, I, don't, who knows? I don't think so. <laughs> yeah, well, you have Patreon. We got Patreon. Come over to Patreon. Please, please, please. We got to pay the bills. <laughs> okay. Uh, All right. We're back. So. 
it felt like it felt like they were away just as long as we were away. <laughs> yeah. Okay, here's a bit of a, a little bit of a tangent, but this other story that I want to share with you really quick kind of gives you a view into how crazy these fugue stakes can be can get out. Sorry, did you hear that? What was that all about? One of my fancy LED lights that was attached to the back of my monitor to make it like seem ghostly behind my monitor and change its colors, it fell down. So yeah, it's funny anyway. that you're doing all this work to to set the mood, and you know nobody can see you. This is a podcast, <laughs> not a YouTube channel. The only person that can see me is you and Kent, I guess. <laughs> oh man, you can only see my head too, but I'm not wearing any clothes. <laughs> Anyway, okay, well, I want to... Just, wanted... just a diaper made out of uh, friggin' <laughs> denim. <laughs> it's so padded. I tried running into the wall full speed. Didn't even hurt my junk. Nope, not at all. It's awesome. Uh, okay, anyway, the, so this quick... I want to tell you about this other story really quick as a tangent. Oh, my God. We, we will find out why he's covered in blood, though, right? Yes. At some yeah. point. Okay, go, I'll, go I'll tell you, I'll tell you. Um... But this tells you how crazy fugue states can get sometimes. Have you ever heard of a guy that they call the Burger King Doe? <laughs> like a like a John Doe? Yeah. Instead no, of like no. yeah, not like not like Burger Bun Doe or anything like that. That's what yeah. I initially thought, but I quickly I saw the way you spelled <laughs> it here. Yeah, Burger King Doe. No, no, that sounds interesting though. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so on August thirty first of two thousand four, around five AM, a Burger King employee in Richmond Hill, Georgia, found an unconscious, naked, and sunburned man behind a dumpster of the restaurant. It was determined that he shouldn't be there. <laughs> <laughs> Great determination. Okay. I'm right. I'm. This is my writing, my journalistic. I really turned up the journalistic dial on this one. Sure did. He had three depressions in his skull that appeared to have been caused by blunt force trauma. And he also had red ant bites all over his body. It was determined that the red ants had not hit him on the head and they were released from custody later that day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. That's enough of the jokes. Here's the rest of the story. Okay. So after discovering him, the, the Burger King servant uh, called 911 and he was taken to a hospital. Uh, he had no identity and uh, was recorded in the hospital records as Burger King Doe. Um, two, two weeks later, he was transferred to another medical center where records state that he was semi-conscious. Um, he eventually said that he remembered that his name was Benjamin, spelled with two A's. Not Benjamin, oh. but Benjamin, okay, gotcha. just in case. But he said he couldn't recall his last name. He seems to have kind of come up with his last name uh, in a random way, based on reports and input, he thought his last name was Kyle. You know, like punching punching holes in the wall, Kyle, like spelled like that. Uh, what? You know, the, you know the the meme from twenty nineteen of like you know Kyle is the guy that always gets to emotionally punches holes in the wall. Kyle does uh, that. We, we we watch different YouTube videos, I guess. <laughs> okay. Anyway, well, it's, it's Benjamin. Kyle. Okay. Um, he had cataracts in both eyes. Uh, and through a, through a donation that he received, charitable donation, he had corrective surgery about nine months after he was found. Uh, and after the surgery, he looked at himself in the mirror and was shocked to see that he looked about 20 years older than he remembered. Um, 
So he kind of does this thing where he was released from the hospital and he spent the next several years between facilities and hospitals and group homes, that kind of stuff. Along the way, he met a nurse that helped him kick off some research into who he was into his past. Um, After after she realized there's massive gaps in this guy's memory, right? So DNA samples were sent to the FBI, National Criminal Justice Information Services Division, or FBI of of West Virginia. Not a good one. Nope. And in March 2011, Kyle was approached by a film student uh, who did a documentary on his story. Um and then fast forward to February 2015, a forensic genealogist. Boy, and there's an episode to do on those guys. Those are they're like wizards. Um, this okay. gal named Colleen Fitzpatrick reported that Kyle had cut off all contact with her when she actually reported back to him that she was having success in finding some close relatives. So I don't know why he disconnected from her. Maybe it was... I don't know because these fugue states are so weird. I don't know if it was, you know, false and he didn't want uh, the, the truth, truth to, to come, come out, out or he was nervous or fearful. I don't know what it was at that point, but she connected him with various members of a family named Powell in the Western Carolinas. And they were descendants of a 19th century man named Abraham Lovely Powell on September 16th, 2015. Kyle announced on Facebook that his real identity had been found, including identifying his name and close family members. Fast forward to 2016, Kyle's true identity was revealed to be William Burgess Powell. That's He'd been born in 1948 and was raised in Lafayette, Indiana. His middle name, his, his middle name almost is Burger. Oh gosh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. William right Burger there. Powell. Maybe wow. he's royalty. I didn't even think it's of good. that. He could be royalty. <laughs> he's, yeah, this is deep. Anyway. This is deep. This this is a rabbit hole for sure. So, backstory on how he disappeared. In 1976, he cut ties with his family and abandoned his possessions, including his car and the trailer where he'd been living. Uh, his family filed a missing persons report on him at the time, and police found that he had moved to Boulder, Colorado, where... He'd moved on a whim with a co-worker and drinking buddy. I think that's the same person, co-worker and drinking buddy in one person, not he moved with a co-worker and also a drinking buddy. I don't know, though. But uh, so his birth date, <laughs> thanks. Uh, his, his birth date turned out to be one of the details about his previous life that he could actually remember clearly. A uh, reporter was able to find some Social Security records on him working in various jobs until up until 1983, after which there was no record to be found of him uh, of any period between 1983 and his discovery 20 years later in 04. Ooh. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a what a bumpy road that was. And we're left with nothing here. Nothing. Right? Yeah. Once again, because it's like, who knew what happened in 1983? I'm guessing that he got he got a beat down uh, or some right? kind of traumatic head injury or something. And then he he was literally homeless for 20 years. He's just roaming. But because he's in this fugue state, nobody sees him as indigent necessarily or 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 um, or uh, 
mentally deficient where anybody would be like, wow, we got to get that guy off the street. You know, he just picked up and started operating this other identity. You might be right about him getting jumped like that. That that would make sense. Yeah. Well, he did get jumped by the fire ants behind the Burger King because of the dents in his head at that point. That's how he was found. But Yeah, depressions in his head. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, back to uh, Ezra. Yeah, back to Ezra state. and, and his, uh, his fugue state. So, all right. The call ends with Ezra when you hear the police have arrived. He confirms that. And then he says, thank you so much. Um, seems like, you know, something that you wouldn't say if you were trying to cover things up. But anyway, uh, authorities say that, uh, Ezra's call came in about 5.57 a.m. And minutes later, around 6.15 a.m., uh, there were officers at the scene. So they went to the Simon Daniels home to conduct a welfare check. Uh, they knocked several times on the door but didn't get a response. When they entered the home, police say they found the unresponsive bodies of Ezra's grandparents with significant blunt force trauma to their heads. Prosecutors say both appeared to be homicide victims. Oh. Yeah, so yeah. both of these I'm- people, his grandparents, um, were lying in bed when they were assaulted. Uh Police also found the murder weapon right nearby was an aluminum baseball bat. Uh, and this is where I love the that this guy gets this job. A medical examiner later concluded the cause of death for both to be significant blunt force trauma to the head. Right. I mean, thanks. They, how much are we paying that guy? <laughs> but <laughs> Well, it is what it is. It is yeah, what it, it is. is right? It is. Yeah. I, I was expecting you to say that they found a bunch of, like, um, Whopper wrappers laying around the bodies. <laughs> Tie it all in. Nope. Not in this one. <laughs> all right. Oh, yeah, but that is across my mind. Like, you know, I love that, that the, the uh, medical examiner has to do that deep of a job to determine that it was just that their faces got caved in with a baseball bat, that they didn't actually die from choking on a gummy bear. And then the right. blunt force trauma was just to try to hide the choking death, right. you know. Yeah. But, oh, my yeah. gosh. Yeah. All right. So, so, so go ahead. Yeah, Ezra was booked into the county jail on a $2 million bond. Uh, Later, he was indicted on two counts of first-degree murder of his grandparents and one count of third-degree possession of a weapon for an unlawful purpose for the aluminum baseball bat, I am guessing. Uh, Today, I found Ezra... He's right here. Just kidding. Um, no. <laughs> hi, Ezra. Say hi, Ezra. No. Just uh, standing behind you, naked, covered in blood. <laughs> Why am I here? He was. He's still in a fugue state. The reason I did this episode because he's been sleeping in my backyard. Uh, he works at Burger King naked. Um, no. Um, so, uh, so he's 22 today. But that doesn't make sense. Here's here, Okay. So I found him. Uh, still incarcerated in the county jail. Um, but it says that he's 22 years old. That doesn't make sense because he was born in 95. So he would be 521, 26. So the last record I have of him is being incarcerated in the county jail at age 22. 
Well, maybe maybe he got put into some kind of like mental hospital or something like that. Like often, if 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 they were found to be mentally incompetent to stand trial, I don't know if you have any of this information. I looked it up quick, and there's a Reddit post here yeah. that says that he kind of dropped off the face of the earth around yes. this time, and right. they assumed that he went to uh, some kind of institution where his, his his identity is kind of protected in some way because he was found to actually be in this fugue state. They would protect yes. somebody like that. So I looked up the court records on this one because I found that Reddit post because somebody else was asking it. They're like, what happened? Where is this guy? What happened? I can't find anything on it. Um, so I looked up the, the, the public court records in New Jersey and the last thing I could find was an update from a judge, Judge Reed, in, two, in 2017 that said another evaluation to see if he was mentally competent to stand trial. Uh, so the judge stated – that there remains a, quote, profound doubt in the court's mind, unquote, whether he is competent. Um, mm. Judge stated back in 2017 that depending on the results of Ezra's evaluation, a competency hearing may be held to determine if he's fit to stand trial since there hasn't been any further word on him. Uh, but he's listed as still incarcerated in the county jail. I'm guessing that there's either, like you said, he's either been kind of secreted away Behind uh, the veil of you know privacy because of the mentally ill component mm -hmm. to it, into a facility, or because that all happened in 2017, his trial could have been choked up by COVID complexities uh, mm -hmm. with the court system. I don't know, but I don't know if we've heard the end of it or not. But that's the um, terrible story of uh, Ezra Simon Daniels hyphen Daniels. Wow. That was a good one, up. Thanks. Well, <laughs> can we take a quick break? Because um, yeah, I want to go throw rocks at this train. <laughs> you should go pee on it. I, that's that's how do you know that? I, that's exactly what I need to do. It's, I figure I have to go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I'll get the I'll get the happy ending queued up while you're gone. All right. Perfect. Okay. Just keep recording for those at home. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll just I'll sing some songs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually I pee in this bucket out here, but you're gonna hear me take a huge dump. <laughs> <laughs> Gross and cool. Got cold here. Did it? Yeah, halfway through that recording, when the sun went down, everything just got so uh. cold. I was sitting here in a sweater. <laughs> The door open, being like, "Oh shit, I gotta piss so bad, and I'm so cold. At least it's freezing up my bladder a bit for me." Oh, yeah. that's one thing about being in a six by nine box. Uh, I was cold this morning a little bit, so I brought a heater in here, turned it on for like, oh, I don't know, two milliseconds, and then I was like on fire. Yeah, it, it insulates it's, well. <laughs> it's also a good thing about having your studio look like a big diaper. You can just pee on the floor. <laughs> I just cut a hole in my chair and I just drop it right through. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> like like a Pakistani uh, truck driver. <laughs> exactly. I think we talked about so that before. So Yeah, we have. We have. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, um, I have a question for you. Sure. Okay. Hey, Luna, have you ever come across the kid that you think is just probably evil have, have have i ever come across a kid who i know is to to be evil yes 
Yeah? Yes. Yeah, you want to hear about it? Do you want me to tell you my story first, or do you want... <laughs> yeah, I'd, ra- I'd rather hear your story. Mine's okay. a little, because... Yeah. Okay, you get ready for yours, because here's mine. So, um, I was a counselor at the YMCA at one point, and um, this was in the 90s, and apparently we didn't have suspicion about like you know pedophiles or whatever back then because they would let anybody that was employed at the ymca just drive kids around (laughs) yeah and this one time i wasn't working at the ymca i was volunteering and this one time there were these two kids that always got picked up but they and they lived sort of near me i knew them um but their their parents didn't come and so I called them and they were like, oh my gosh, like, they're like, oh my gosh, we forgot our cats. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm leaving. Do you want me to just drop them off? And they said, yes. Uh, they were friends. The two kids were friends. They didn't live together. But I saw, okay. So one kid I knew really well. The other kid was really quiet, but I always thought he was kind of sweet, you know, just because he was quiet and just, you know, didn't really cause any problems or anything like that. We go, we drive. I drop the first kid off, the kid that I know better, and uh, he gets out of the car, and then I'm driving down the road. I'm driving to the other kid's house, and I can tell he's looking at me. And so I kind of look over at him, and I'm like, how you doing? How you doing? Are are you okay? Uh, Because I thought maybe he was uncomfortable being in the car with me because I'm kind of a stranger or whatever. And he's he's like, I'm fine. And I was like, okay, good. You just want to make sure you're okay. And you'll be home in a minute. And he goes, he says, he says, well, my mom says, never mind. And I said, what, what does your mom says? What is, what does your mom say? He said, never mind. And then he just looked out the window. It didn't say one more word the whole way home. And then just gets out of my car and walks away. But there was like something in his eyes while I was looking at him. And he's like, I almost thought, because when I said, you okay? Um, I was thinking, you know, he'd if he was uncomfortable, he'd be like, yeah, you know, I'm just a little nervous or whatever. But when he said, well, my mom says, I took it instantly as... Like he wanted to finish it with my mom says I'm evil yeah. or my mom says there's something wrong with me. But he didn't. And the way he like just said, never mind, was not like, oh, ho, hum. It was like, I can't tell you that. Well, it was like uh-huh. a voice in his head was saying, oh, stop, stop, stop. Yes. It's kind of, kind, of, kind of like the red rum thing with the kid. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> yes. It's the shining with the finger. I'm doing uh-huh. the finger at you right now. right? Like, <laughs> what do you think about that? Keep quiet. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, – Oh, it's creepy. That's creepy, man. I have a really creepy one, but I have to rough it up a bit because it's a little personal. Okay. And uh, so I was, I when I was probably 12 years old, I would go and babysit this kid. And she was six years old. And uh, she would always do funny things, like come up and like start kissing me on the neck and stuff. And I would like push her off. And she was, you know how sometimes when you're an older boy or... I guess it can happen to anybody, but like a younger kid will start to, I don't know, like act <clears throat> act funny. I don't know if the, maybe this has only happened to me, but she was acting like she wanted to be like my girlfriend and she was a six-year-old. Oh, yeah. And I was an older boy and she kept on like trying to hug me. She had a crush on me or something. Right. But she kept yeah. on doing really weird things like the kissing thing, like I'm saying, or, or 
we played hide and seek and I would be my turn to hide and she would come and get it, find my spot, like get in close and I mean, I was very uncomfortable with it. And I would, <laughs> anyways, <clears throat> so this girl ends up getting hit by a car and oh. she dies. Oh. She dies. And, and she, everybody kind of said, you know, she, she would throw rocks at cars and things and always kind of doing mischievous stuff. And there was something about her the whole time where it was like, Oh, it just felt like, <laughs> if ever there was going to be a ghost afterwards, you know, it would be her. So yeah. I ended up having a relationship when I was 16 years old with a girl who moved into that same house. Oh. And I was with her and she started having like this weird mental, these weird mental breaks. And she would act like she was like possessed by something and stuff. She dropped out of school and I stuck with her because I felt bad for her. And she would just oh. act like this little girl, kind of, oh. towards me. And so <laughs> I've never <laughs> talked about that before. Um, and it's the closest I've ever felt like sh- to something evil or <sighs> something. I don't know. I don't even want to say evil because we're talking about a six-year-old here. Um, but that six-year-old, I felt there was something um, that her future might have held maybe something dark. Uh-huh. I don't want to say anything more about it, but yes, definitely with that, with that one kid. Well, we've talked that. about ghosts and spirits and stuff like that. And, and kind of my perspective on it is I believe that like all along, spiritually speaking, I believe that we've, we've, we have agency over our spirit, over ourselves, right? Uh, yeah. Before we were here, you know, I believe we chose to come here while we're here. We have agency to choose how we live our life and what we do and everything. And I think I, – I, I don't know for sure because I haven't died yet. But <laughs> I, I want to believe that that agency continues, that we have this ability to either move on, you know, yep. or – like if we feel like something's unresolved, just like you know, some people some people get in a loop here on on uh, in, on Earth when they're alive, they get in a loop and they can't seem to get out of it. They become militant about some some issue uh, or some situation that rules their life, and they just can't. They never seem to become they, they get out of it. And I wonder if like spirits or ghosts or that like they've they've died and they have the opportunity to move on or progress or whatever, but. They have chosen. They're like, no, I'm not. I nope. I'm not going to go yet. Nope. And they stick around. <clears throat> yes, or attach to people yeah. and become almost a part of their personality mm-hmm. in, in some strange way, and that freaks me out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like that situation I'm talking about right there. I've always kept that to myself, and I've never talked about it before. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty clear that I believe that a part of that spirit attached to this other, to this other, yeah, girl, and um. Yeah, I mean, who who are who are any of us to say? But it's hard for me to talk about that, so I don't want to really go any further about it for some okay. reason. I'm feeling creeped out, man. Yeah. Do, does this lead into the happy ending in some way, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was talking about evil kids that leads into this happy. I was just going to ask you really quick: Does it feel uncomfortable that your door is open behind you and that I can look over your shoulder and just kind of see what's coming? Always. I'll yes. let you know. I'll let you know if I see Please anything. Please let me know. Okay. I, I gotta get out of here, man. I hate having the door behind me. I've said it before. It's not feng shui or whatever they yeah. call that. You know, like it's not good. Especially what I talk about in here. I, I, did I tell you that my um, I have a treadmill out here, 
And one day it just – when I was working, it was on the spec case, I think. It just started up. <laughs> and I went out there. Oh, I was like, gosh, why, would you, why would it start? Ugh. Why did it start? I heard like vroom, 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 vroom. And I thought it was the train. And I'm like, uh, oh, no. And, you know, there was a little girl out there eating a, eating a, a Whopper <laughs> running on 10. Anyway. That you know we've talked about that though we've talked about that happening when we've researched really heavy duty things that like the room changes you know it, it, it feels heavy like yeah there's been a couple cases you and I have covered where it took us a week or two to block it off even you know it's oh yeah especially when it has to do with kids yeah it, 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 the one that laid heavy on me was that Harley Dilly case where the kid got stuck in the chimney yeah. Uh, and you and I talked. And I was actually in tears over it. At one. Yeah. So were you. We were both sitting here crying with each other. Exactly. <laughs> about, just about that case. And um, I, what really bothered me about that particular one was that every everybody likes to say, like, well, you know, they probably died quick or whatever. And I know that kid. He got stuck in this chimney, the Harley yeah. Dilly case. People are probably familiar with it. And uh, he was in there crying. And, and I pictured it so clearly. Like, I felt like I knew what happened as I was writing my piece on it and I didn't go so far as to assume that but going through the process it was like it was like it was coming to me like sometimes when you write Stephen King will talk about this and you feel it's not coming from your mind you'll get into like the zone and it's coming from somewhere else you can feel it you're like where is this coming from you're just channeling it Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I felt like with that case. It was like I was really connected to this kid. And mm-hmm. and there's times when you're, when you're covering a case that maybe isn't so well covered that you may be the only person on earth thinking about the particular details of what had happened to that person. Yeah. And maybe there's some kind of connection in doing that if you believe in a spirit world, right? And, sure. and I, at time, I at times really feel it deeply, especially when it comes to kids. Yeah. Oh, I think so, especially in unresolved cases where, you know, ah. Uh, yeah, where there's unknowns, right? Yep, exactly. All right, well, um, want to have want a happy ending? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. The, I, I said that hoping that we'd have some funny things to talk about, but that that went that that took that a went sideways quick. Buddy. Yeah. Well, this one will make you laugh, even though I'm not quite sure if this kid is evil or not evil. But get ready for this one. You ready for me to hit play? Yeah, I'm ready. Here we go. Hello, what's the Hi, is that the demolition place? It is, yeah. Could you help me to destroy my school, please? Just bear with me a second. Hello? Hi. Where, what school do you go to? I go to a school in Dublin. And you want it demolished? Yeah. <laughs> do you use a big wrecking ball? Or we how have... do you knock it down? A big, ra- a big ball. Right. <laughs> well, hold on one wee second, please. Hello? How are you? My name's Becky. Yes? I have a proposal for you. Go ahead. Are you the demolition man? Yes. You're the top boss, yeah? Go ahead. What's the crack? Hello? I want you to to help me destroy my school. You want it blown up? Can you blow it up or knock it down? Whatever, whatever, whatever you want done. I'll blow it up. That would be better. Can you make sure that all my teachers are in there when you knock it down? I don't know if I can get away with that now. Are you well? Nobody likes them. <laughs> they give me extra homework on a Friday and everything. <laughs> where are you calling from? From Dublin. Where, 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 what school in Dublin? The one that's about to fall down. 
There's a lot of skins in Dublin about to fall down. And how much would it cost to knock it to the ground? It depends how big it is. Give me a ballpark finger. Finger. <laughs> It's a joke factory at the minute, hey. It's a joke, it's a joke factory. <laughs> Listen, are you going to come and knock my school down or what? I will, Shirley. Can you fax me through your photograph or, or, or a site plan or something? Right, I'll fax you through a plan of the school and my teacher's names. Yeah, no problem, yeah. And you just make sure that they're all in the building when you knock it down. You put all their names on it. I'll give you a page for each individual yeah. teacher. Brilliant. Yeah. When the school falls down, will it make a crash or a wallop? Well, they say hey in Belfast, it'll make a big bang. Sounds good. Oh, listen, I'll talk to you later, top man. Sound good luck, hey. You look after yourself. Fill your boots, man. Hey, good luck. <laughs> See you after. Wow. <laughs> so, I don't think she called 911 to get that done, but I thought that call was hilarious. Do you think – I mean that's the greatest call that you've ever played if that was actually a little girl. See, part of me is thinking it's like a Jerky Boys like skit yeah. style thing where yeah. somebody has changed their voice to make it because she was so sharp. You know? She was very sharp. So I don't know. But, you know, and, and we get a lot of uh, – you know, a lot of people send us calls and, and there are a handful of 911 calls out there that are that are fake, that are scripted. And, and you can usually tell that they are because one one or both voices sound like it's a microphone as opposed to a phone phone, right. you know? But that one's hard to tell because they both hard. it sounds crickle crackle on both ends and God. she sounds like a little girl. I don't know. She was very sharp and though. The dispatches too, like uh, it's such a different <laughs> It's such a different vibe with with these places like Ireland, England, you know, yeah. Scotland. All, all those people they they go with it. They, yeah. they they take any opportunity to make to 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 make it the best it can be, joke wise. Whereas right. in the states and Canada, they would take that very seriously oh, and be yeah. like, "Is this a joke? <laughs> you know, this is a serious matter." Here. Exactly. That was great. Oh man, well my cheeks hurt. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for that denim. <laughs> Chafing you. Getting a little hot in here. It's getting a little sweaty. It's feeling like a, the walls kind of smell like a, like a hobo after a frothy game of basketball. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. You ever seen a hobo play basketball? No, not really. No, they're not very good at it. I'm guessing the Burger King dough might have played a couple games here and there. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, that's all I got. Yeah. See ya. All right. Hugs. Hey, thank you again for lending us your earballs. We couldn't be doing this crazy show without you. And if you like, 1159 is our little production company, and we have six podcasts all together for you to feast on. Three of them are ready and waiting in your favorite podcast player right now. Check out the one that started it all for us, Dark Topic, for amazing writing, amazing stories, and more of Jack's buttery voice. It's like if Bob Ross did a true crime show, like Macabre Ross. And check out True Crime Kent, where Kent Chungus and I take a deep dive with a fine-tooth comb into each story to see how much hair and stuff we can get on the comb. It's fun. 
And Kent swears, if you're into that sort of thing, I can't control him. He's his own beautiful redneck butterfly. Patreon is loaded up with three exclusive shows, Dark Calls, Brutal, and Dead Time Stories, just in case you run out of free content and have five bucks in your pocket. We love that you love what we are doing. We are grateful that you tell us every day. So many awards, so much love and support in our Facebook groups. It feels really good for the soul, you know? And for all of you, so much hugs.